Welcome to the Reality Check Podcast. I'm Zachary Phillips. What happens when a society has no memory? When big issues are given the same weight as small issues? When we frit around between the next thing and the next thing and the next thing without ever really fleshing out or dealing with or addressing anything. I fear that that society is the one we're living in right now. I remember when I was younger and 9-11 happened. It was a catastrophic, terrible and momentous event that shaped the world for literally 20 years right longer it's going to it's going to continue obviously ongoing but it was a major factor i remember when i was younger things would happen controversies leaders would be caught out doing things business leaders political leaders famous people whatever and there would be consequences for actions there would be issues that need to be addressed, things, society and people seemed to care ongoing about things. But the problem is, or it feels like it at least, that that no longer happens. If we think recently, there, there's just been the US withdrawal from Afghanistan. And by almost all accounts, it was botched terribly. Before the US went in, the Taliban was in control. The US spends 20 20 years, a trillion dollars, and countless lives lost. And the Taliban is still in control. It's a catastrophe. And the evacuation was a disaster. People are falling off planes. It was it was terrible, right? But flash forward a week later, just a week, and no one seems to care. Sure, there's 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 patches of people, the historians, the 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 people that are a bit into politics, the humanitarians, they all remember and they all care. But in general, the population just couldn't care less. We have, as I addressed a little bit in the previous podcast, the Dave Chappelle controversy, talking about trans uh, trans rights and speaking out and the Netflix and all of that sort of stuff. That seemed to stay in the news cycle for longer. That's sort of shocking to me, that an absolute clusterfuck, a, you know, a a literal war with people dying, families pulled apart, trillions of, a trillion dollars spent, (sighs) countries disrupted, thousands, if not millions of people directly involved, right? (sighs) Cross countries. And 
it's already out of the news cycle. And, you know, a, a comedian with a controversial Netflix show stays in the, the, the media cycle for longer. Now, don't get me wrong. Both of those issues that are, that are raising are important. You know, war, death is very important. Trans rights, minority rights, uh, free speech, all of the stuff that the, the, the Dave Chappelle controversy has brought up are also very important. But the thing is, is, you know, give, give each of these issues a couple of weeks and they're gone. It feels like the only thing that has stuck around has been COVID. And the reason it's stuck around is because it's, you know, it's, it's continually uh, attacking people. But even with COVID, it's, it's dying down, right? I just, I just fear that we're, we're sort of moving to a place where we have no collective memory, where things can happen. It's this flash in the pan moment, and then it's gone. I, I used to be surprised at the Trump phenomena. How could how could a man that's always putting his foot in it, always saying highly controversial things, things that 20, 30 years ago, one of them would have just gotten him completely out of the race. You know, his own party would have shunned him. It would have just been a absolute just shutout. But nowadays, he can just continue or was able to just continue and it didn't really seem to matter. You know, even, even the, 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 the Jan 6, uh, uh, march on the, on the Capitol, you know, the, the, the Capitol protests, all of that sort of stuff, the, the insurrection or the, however you want to, however you want to frame it, right? It's come and gone. But the, you know, someone, someone like a Trump can, say and do what he's done nowadays because we just don't remember. He says something, it flares up, and then it disappears. And then we look on to the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. It's like as a society, we've all got ADHD. We've got an inability to focus, or we've got like a a selective point of focus. It's like, yeah, all of that stuff's happening, but I'm just going to stick in my lane and look over here and just focus on this thing. Oh, there's controversy. Cool, that sucks. And I'm back to my focus. We've never, as a species, existed with such technology. The technology that we're using to listen to this podcast right now. Social media in general. It's it's so easy to to, to, to feel like everything will be okay or fine or just continue as normal. But how can that be true when we've got an abnormal uh, introduction of technology? Now, by abnormal, I don't mean necessarily bad. I just mean it's abnormal as in different from the normal. As a species, as a society, we've never in our existence been this connected. We've never had this much access to instant communication, to instant gratification to to the ability we've never had such an ability to eliminate all forms of contemplation or thought it is possible to wake up and just 
flit around between social media, to chuck a podcast on, to listen to music, to watch a YouTube video all day, every day. It's possible to go days, weeks, months without any prolonged silence. Boredom comes, bam, we run from it. Why? Because the technology enables us to do so. We didn't evolve to exist in a world with such temptation. And I'm just wondering what that does to us. And, and I think it's, it's, it's fairly obvious. It's, it's obvious based, you know, it sort of leads back to what I've started this, this podcast with. This idea that we, we don't really have a collective memory. We don't seem to, to care. It's, it's things that are bad, quote unquote, get highlighted. People make some clickbait dollars and then it's forgotten. And then the next thing comes up and the next thing and the next thing. So we're sort of simultaneously living in this, in this sort of, uh, roller coaster ride of up and down, up and down, up and down. This thing's the worst thing. And then the next thing's the worst thing. And then the next thing's the worst thing. So we're almost like simultaneously apathetic and overly empathetic at the same time. And it just blows our ability to sort of realize the importance of anything because everything seems like the worst thing in the world. Everything seems like the worst thing ever. The withdrawal from Afghanistan, that's bad. It's just as bad as Dave Chappelle, Chappelle's comedy special, which is just as bad as a politician's sex scandal, which is just as bad as global warming, which is just as bad as a sports player cheating on his wife, right? Whatever. <sighs> it, put simply, some things are worse than other things. You know, like, obviously it depends on how you define worse, but a war that rips family, families apart, destroys societies, that, you know, goes on for years, has a different impact than a cheating sports player, which has a different impact to a uh, the, the, the impact of trans rights, which has a different impact to a politician's statements. That's undeniable, but it doesn't feel that way. And I think it doesn't feel that way because everyone has the ability to scream and yell and cry as loud as they like on social media and the social media algorithms and the people making money off you know, websites and clickbait articles and selling products, including the social, the social media companies, but everyone that's on there, myself included, right? We all benefit from engagement. We all benefit from connection. So it's in the interests of the social media companies to push and push and push and push controversy. This everything, the next thing, the next controversy is the worst thing ever. When, when, when COVID was just coming out, it was the worst thing ever. And now we've sort of gotten used to COVID, quote unquote, but it's all about the, 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 the conspiracies and the anti-vaxxers and the sort of the left versus the right and all of that sort of stuff. It's all a game. It's all a mirage. It's all just a trap. And it, and it traps people because we, we, we think about it. We talk about it. We post about it. Those posts cause more conflict, more thinking about it, more talking about it, more posting, right? It spreads. It literally is viral. <laughs> probably more viral than COVID. 
it's 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 we're so trapped by this that we don't even realize how trapped we are. There's suggestions that our phones are listening to us or that they're tracking where we are and what we purchase and comparing that against the people that are close to us and what they're purchasing and what they're talking about and what we're talking about, right? If you share a post online, if you take a picture and share the picture online, if you write something, if you comment, if you just look over an image for a long time, if you screen capture it, right? All of this is data that is being collected, fed into algorithms, and then pushed back at you and the people near you. So the feeds that you're getting, what you're seeing on your social media every day is uniquely geared to you. It's uniquely designed to attract and attack you, to make you feel obliged to comment and connect and just keep coming back. There's the anecdote that the only the only people that call their customers users are drug dealers and social media companies. Because it is like a usage. How, how hard is it to not check your social media when you wake up and in between activities and just before you go to bed, right? It's so tempting. I struggle with it. I mean, I'm, I'm talking this and I'm the biggest hypocrite ever because I'm all over social media and I engage with it as well. And I hate myself for engaging with it because I look at it and I'm like, if this was a cigarette, you know, just, just play, play the, play, play the, the game in your mind. Imagine that every time you touch your phone to go on social media, you're instead having a cigarette or taking a shot of alcohol or shooting up or whatever, you know, your drug of choice is, Right. Eating a chocolate. How much of an addict would you feel? And then the next step is, is if you were using that drug all of those times, what would that do to your mental and physical and social and financial health? What would it do to your mental state and your thought processes? And then the obvious conclusion to that is, is what does social media, the amount of use that you're using, do to your thought processes? What does it do to your social connections? It's, it's, it's worrying on a, on a deep level because not only is there nothing we can individually really do about it, but it's technology shaping behavior. It's corporations shaping behavior. And that to me, it's, it's like there's no one, there's no one with a soul. There's no human. There's no like benevolent person behind it all. It's driven for profit. And profit doesn't care about your feelings. Prophet doesn't care if, if if you show something online, if you're shown something online and you comment and then a friend of yours sees that comment and the, the friend of yours sees it, not every friend of yours will see it, but only the people that care about that issue will see it, that have engaged with you in the past, that the, the algorithms think that you're going to, uh, that, that are going to engage with your comment. They see it. And now you've probably had this happen. 
You make a comment and then two or three or four friends jump in and they're arguing in response to your comment. Some of them are agreeing, some of them are disagreeing. Fair enough. It seems like, a you know, we're just having a lively discussion. <sighs> but what does that do to your relationships? Part of me wonders whether it's a good thing to have such ability to communicate and connect. Now, I'm, I want to caveat this. I believe in open and honest communication with the people around you, the people you live with, the people you want to, you know, work with and, 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 and be partners with and all of that sort of stuff, your family, your close friends. But I believe that it should be done as much as possible face-to-face, spoken language with tone, with body language, all of that good stuff. Because if I post something online and I just use my, 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 my text response, it's very hard to get a nuanced response. So I post something. This is my reality. When I, when I post something and someone disagrees, I instantly feel a bit attacked. It's like, hey, ugh. I feel attacked. And then I think about that person. I'm like, that person is attacking me. Now, when I respond, am I responding with the kindness and appreciation and love and all of that stuff that I would in person? Or am I just responding offhand based on what they said? We don't always respond to social media comments and we don't always post with our best selves in our best foot foots forward, right? We might just respond flippantly. But the problem is, is those comments are now up forever and they're being read. They're being read by multiple people. Like if I was going to have a discussion with you about a controversial topic, one that we're both not 100% sure on, one that, you know, you might have strong opinions on or you might not, whatever. I would want to have it with you in person and with the ability to sort of clarify and discuss in real time. But importantly, I wouldn't want to have it with hundreds or potentially thousands of people eavesdropping, with them having the ability to jump in and yell support from my or your point of view. Think about it. Let's say you're in support of leaving Afghanistan as as it happened, and I'm not. Or you absolutely love Dave Chappelle and I hate him, and I, I'm on the side of the trans or, or you know, whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. But You've got a strong opinion going one direction. I've got a strong opinion on the opposite direction. It's feasible and believable, and it has happened that in real life, you can have these sort of discussions and a resolution is made. We both learn, we both grow, or we agree to disagree, and our feelings aren't hurt. And we, we leave and go, yeah, that was, that was a lively discussion. You know, I agree with Zach, but I don't agree with him on this point, and, you know, we can continue that later on. But what would happen if I was to scream and yell and then the next person and all the comments and all of those sort of things were to scream and yell at you as well? If I made a point and then five people jumped on board with my point and then you were to respond and five people jumped on board supporting your point, eventually it becomes this screaming match between us all and no one, there is no res- resolution. You go down more your side, I go down more my side. We both polarize. And what does that do to our relationships? And then I, I, I'd like to sort of just consider the extrapolation of that. What happens, you know, that's happening between you and me. But then that's happening between you and everyone else. And everyone else and everyone else. Globally. 
all the time, continually. So when the next thing pops up in, in, in the news media, it pops up, we talk about it, we yell about it, we disagree, ruins the relationships, earns the people making money off it some money, and then it falls away, and then the next one comes back up, and the same process happens again and again and again and again and again. What does that do to society? I guess we're going to find out. And I don't know. It's, it's, it's a terrifying proposition. Anyway. Yeah. Cheers. Okay. So I was just about to post this podcast and upon re-listening, I realized I didn't really sort of leave any options of how to combat all of this didn't really give you any ideas of what I do to, <laughs> to, to, to manage this. And, and part of it is just an awareness. If we can be aware of the impact of social media and news cycles and all of that sort of stuff on our mental state, that's a start because once you start seeing the trap, you can start taking steps to avoid it or escape it. You know, just, just, just do yourself a favor and take a step back and, Rather than just instantly engaging and posting and sharing and writing, just scroll through your Facebook like it was a discovery, like it was you've, you've found this, this artifact from an alien species or another animal or, you know, some, some sort of other person that you're sort of like snooping around with. Right? And, and just take a look at what pops up. Remember, it's not yours. It's not someone talking to you. It's not things being projected at you in this, in this sort of little game you're playing with yourself. It's just something to look at. And, and what hopefully that will do is it'll help you to detach. It's no longer your feed. It's a feed to observe. And that detachment will show you what you're being seen. You're not to respond, not to act, but just see what's being shown. Have a look through the comments. See the sponsored posts, see the recommended posts, and just look at it. And just think to yourself, well, what does this mean? That's one response. The second response I would suggest would be to practice meditation, mindfulness. I I meditate daily, and the reason I do that is multiple reasons, but it helps put you into the present moment, being here right now. But what it also does is it causes you to have to spend time in silence. And and honestly, it's it's a lifesaver because it takes it gives you some time for your brain to settle. It puts you back into a state that we may more naturally have evolved to live in. And if the prospect of sitting in silence scares you, or you think you couldn't do it, those feelings are something that you need to investigate, right? What does it mean that you can't sit in silence? What does it mean that the potential idea of a couple of minutes, five, ten minutes alone with your thoughts will be terrifying or overwhelmingly boring or completely confronting or just intolerable for whatever reason? What does that actually mean for you? That to me is something worth investigating. So like I said, I meditate every day. I've written a book on meditation. I'll put a link down below. It's called Mindfulness, a guidebook to the present moment. And in that book, I share, it's, it's basically an introduction 
a lot of meditation instructors sort of go quite deep quite quickly and it can make the beginner meditator uh, become overwhelmed or feel bogged down in mumbo jumbo. So with that book, it'll give you a good introduction. I'll put a link to that and I'll put a link to uh, my Insight Timer, which is a meditation app profile. From there, it's like a ba- once again, a basic introduction that's sort of audio instructions. And I'll chuck a link to my Skillshare courses on meditation as well. My hope is with those resources, you'll be able to get started and basically feel comfortable sitting in silence. Because the more you sit in silence, the more you see the present moment as it is for what it is. And the more you start seeing your emotions, not as something that sort of takes you and has you, but as something that is sort of just appearing, just like another sound or a sensation or an object outside of you. And then we relate that back to our social media use or our online presence or even our responses to big or small things. It allows us to, to not get sort of fully involved in our, in our emotionality. We might get angry with a comment, but we can see that anger as something separate from us. So then when we take it right back and we look at the overall problems, what is a big problem here? Okay, well, a big problem might be the Afghanistan thing. Big problem for us might be the Dave Chappelle thing. Big problem might be the politicians or the cheating sports star. Whatever it is for you, the point is, is when we're no longer as attached to our emotions, when we're no longer as trapped by this up and down roller coaster ride that's being pushed by social media just to make a dollar off our rage, we will start to see the things that we actually care about. And then we can start taking action on those things we actually care about. There's this term that I just want to finish off discussing is called compassion fatigue. There's so many things that we need to care about in the world that it, it it's hard to be compassionate for anything. It's hard to care for anything because all of these sources, all of these causes, all of these everythings need attention. And they rightly do. But if we were to split our focus and our resources, and by resources I mean time and money and focus, if we were to split all of that between them all, nothing would get done, at least in our little world. Nothing would be accomplished because there's just too much and we have too little of all of those things. But if we can detach and step back and mindfully observe all of the different problems and find one that we both care about and that we can address in some way through our time, through our activism, through our presence, through our money, whatever it is, if we find something we care about that we can impact, then we can push for it. The only problem is, is we need to then consider mindfully a better way to push for that activism i was talking to my mum and she she watches the news quite often i don't i tend to avoid it i just don't like those updates it it, it's same thing this exact discussion right and she was sort of saying that given given the fact that i have a have a growing audience with my writing with the podcast Surely I should be up to date with things. Surely it's important that I comment. And I highlighted this argument that everyone's commenting on everything and sort of gets whitewashed. What I care about is the meta issues, what the the platforms are doing to us, what the cycles are doing to us, what 
the money and the clickbait and all of that stuff is doing to us as a society. And she understood. But she did highlight something. She does listen to the news, but in, in, in listening to the news, she also listens to local news. And there was something that came up in her local area, a conservation project that she was passionate about. And she got on board and she wrote the, the local members and sort of lobbied and all of that stuff and actually made a change so that the conservation effort that she cared about went through. And it made me think, I'm like, okay, maybe I'm throwing the, the baby out with the bathwater, right? Maybe I'm, by trying to avoid all of the news and sort of get out of this whole cycle, I'm actually missing something that I can do. My local area, the place that I live does have issues that need addressing. And because I'm living in it, I can directly see it and influence it, right? If you go back to a sort of an evolutionary perspective, it's very hard to imagine the impact on billions of people around the world. It's very hard for me to imagine the plight of someone in a country across the other side of the world that speaks a different language that I've never visited and I never plan on visiting and I don't know anyone from, right? That's, it's, it's very hard to put myself in those shoes and think globally. You know, we evolved as monkeys in a tribe of, you know, 150 members or whatever. The idea of civilization and megacities and all of this sort of stuff that we're dealing with right now, this, the technology is new. It's so new that we haven't evolved to adapt to it. But we can still make a difference and care and connect in our local world because we can, we can see it. You know, if you go outside and you see people littering, that's your home they're littering on, right? That's a way that you can connect and start caring about the environment and make a physical, tangible difference. Now, I'm not saying not to push for global change in climate or anything like that. On, on the contrary, I think we should. I'm sort of trying to highlight that if if you can't if if your big issue the thing that you're going to sort of focus on isn't the climate if it's you know something else but you still still care about the climate you know it's one of those things that you have compassion for as i do start making a change in your local place start looking at local conservation start start local and then build up from there speak to real people in real life right you know there's, there's a risk of stepping back, detaching, realizing a problem, and then just going back onto social media and becoming another screaming person to be slotted around by the algorithms. I'm not 100% sure of the best way to address this, but I feel that it has to do with long-form conversations, either in real life or if we can manage it digitally. This is why I like the longer form podcasts, because it allows people to discuss either individually, like we're doing here, or you know, between two people, a host and a guest, an in-depth issue. And because it is long form, because they're talking for an hour or two or three, you really get a full sense of it. You compare this to a social media post with the comment section, or you compare this to a news bit, 
where people are just sort of stating their point in 20 seconds and then having the counterpoint stated in 20 seconds and then the newsreader summarizing it in 20 seconds? How could you possibly hope to have a discourse on anything important? Imagine trying to solve climate change or famine or war or coronavirus or anything that's actually impacting the world vitally. You know, gender issues, everything, right? Anything that we talked about. I'll tell you what, <laughs> if, we, if we go down the Dave Chappelle thing, that issue won't be solved by people screaming and posting online. He did a long-form conversation, and if you listen to it, he's expressing himself. Agree or disagree, it's not my, not my place to sort of suggest my opinion here, but he spoke long-form on the topic. To come back and scream in a tweet and have that tweet as the response to a long-form comment isn't going to make any real change. It'll make the person tweeting and responding to those tweets weirdly feel good because it's like, oh, I'm standing up for my team. But what change will that really make, right? It's it's, it's the, There's this feeling that you get, this sort of, I say good because it sort of feels positive, but I'm not convinced that it actually is positive that you get when you when you jump on board and you sort of start screaming your point and sort of saying, hey, this is what I believe and sort of let's do it, right? You get this sort of good feeling. But the problem is, is that it doesn't really make any change and it might just be sort of building up the ego a bit. It feels good to to, to bash someone digitally, like, hey, you suck, I, you disagreed with my my team. But does that change anything? Does it, does it, does it help convince anyone or are you just breaching to the converted? Is it just everyone getting in a digital space and saying, I agree, I agree, I agree, I agree, that person sucks or they should be cancelled. And on the other side, I agree, I agree, I agree. Look at all those people with, you know, can't handle a joke, whatever it is. I'm not convinced that that will change anyone. But what I am convinced is that if people are seeing the controversy with Dave Chappelle and then they do watch his special, all the way, with an open mind, he might change people to their opinion. Because from the external perspective, if you don't care about that topic that much, if you're you know neutral to it, or you're unsure, watching a long-form thing is far more convincing than people screaming and yelling. People screaming and yelling seems like someone having like a baby's tantrum. But on the other side of things, if you were to watch a long-form discussion, his piece, and then watch a long-form discussion about it on the other side, and then watch the long-form discussion back, you will start to see the issue in real depth. And ideally, if you can get the main people involved having long-form discussions, then you'll really see how they really feel about the issue, about each other, and their ability to have a discourse. Does that make sense? So what I would suggest would be, if possible, Take a step back. Look at your social media feeds and online presence like you were looking at, you know, an archaeology find, an alien find. Take a step back. I would also suggest having the long-form discussions as much as possible. I would suggest taking action in your local communities. And if you're going to go big, figure out one area in the world that you can go big in and go big. But just make sure you're not contributing back into this same cycle. Work out a way to project the need to help your issue in a way that won't sort of go down the same path. And finally, 
practice mindfulness meditation. I'll check the link down to my book, Insight Timer and Skillshare courses below in the show notes so you can get started. There's a lot of access to all of those resources for free, by the way. I, I release everything I do for free as much as possible. Um, so you can read a bunch of chapters of the book and get started on the courses and stuff right now. Anyway, if you, <laughs> going down the algorithm gods, <laughs> if you have um, anything you want to add to this or say or address, message me on social media at Zach P. Phillips. Email me, Zach at Zachary-Phillips.com. Um, just connect and we can have a discussion back and forth on this one. Anyway, cheers. Cheers. 